This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The star was kind of like a, sort of like a leper, like leprosy. In the case of the scriptures where the leper had to cry out, unclean, unclean, had to announce himself all the time as unclean, unclean. The star, the star basically was an announcement. I'm hated by society. Society doesn't want me. Society rejects me. Society, I'm condemned to die. Just like Jesus was rejected by the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees. The star basically said, I am rejected by the society. I'm only tolerated to live for whatever reason, for a temporary period of time. So the star communicated something very similar to what a cross communicated. Because part of the sentence of the condemned of the Romans' condemnation was that the person who was had to carry his cross, little cross, through the streets of the city very prominently to the place of execution. It wasn't just, you know, well, just, you know, cart him up there and then kill him. He had to carry this cross through the streets. And in a sense, the cross in Rome was the same as the star in Nazi Germany. So just as when a Jew wore that star in Germany, it was blazingly obvious for everyone to see that it was condemned, he was going to die. And so taking up the cross was blazingly open for everyone to see he was condemned, he was going to die. And just as if a person... Like I said, of a condemned person, when they saw the star, and they said, oh, no, you know, you're a part of what this world thinks should be destroyed. So taking up the cross is a statement of, oh, oh no, oh, no, oh, no. You're considered refuse of the world, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.13. 1 Corinthians 4.13, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. So when a Jew wore the star in Nazi Germany, he was identified as a person who was condemned to die. So when Christ carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem and actually fainted 
under the weight of it because he lost he had lost so much blood the scourging already he was so weak from dehydration but in any case as he carried that or someone carried it for him he was identified as a person who was condemned to die and that's why the Job, the Romans made a person carry the cross through the streets there because during that whole process of carrying the cross through the streets a person was stripped of all dignity a person was stripped of all respect from other people. A person was made vile in the eyes of others. The person was made essentially worthless. And the Nazis forced the Jews to wear the star for the same reason, the yellow star. So that as, they, as he went through the streets, as a person went through the streets of Jerusalem, that process took place. Rejected, rejected. And as a person wore the, the star in Nazi Germany, that process took place. Oh, you, rejected. So what Christ is talking about here. Is similar to the star, but the difference is a person should take his cross. Well, when a person was condemned to die on the cross by the Romans, he was forced to take his cross. There was no choice on his part. He was forced to. When a Jew was identified as a Jew in Nazi Germany, he didn't have a choice of whether or not to wear the star. He was forced to. But what Christ is talking here is that not being forced to take up the cross and follow him. It's a choice that a person makes. I mean, just imagine if a person who was not a Jew in Germany and he was watching all those Jews be abused and mistreated by the Nazis and that this non-Jewish person decides to take up a yellow star and put it on him to be with the Jews. That would never happen, you might think. It did. There was a person who did that and this person looked at how the Jews were being treated, thought about it, and decided it was worth the cost to be with the Jews. So he took up a cross, took up a star, and wore it. And this is what the Lord Jesus is talking about in Matthew 16, 24. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So taking up that yellow star and wearing it actually happened, but it was the Jew who did it. It was in the life of Rose Warmer, who in fact was Jewish, but she was successfully hiding in the attic of a house in Nazi Germany. She was safe up there in that attic. And she was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she was watching through a vent hole uh, down below in the street all of, her, all of her fellow Jews being marched off to concentration camps, and God spoke to Rose up there in that attic. And she thought to herself how she was saved by Christ, and if she was killed, that didn't matter because she was going to heaven, but her fellow Jews were not saved, and if they were killed like the Nazis, they were not going to heaven, and she had the message of Christ that could save them. She had the message of what they needed. It was not good for her to stay up there insulated, isolated, and protected and watch her fellow Jews be killed and land in hell. So she left that attic, and she went into the streets and joined her fellow Jews and star and all. And she was sent to Auschwitz, and miraculously, God kept her alive in Auschwitz, and she was liberated from Auschwitz, and she went, later went to live in Israel. Anyway, uh, so just like the Lord said in Matthew 16, 24, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Now, in order to help people to make the right decision, the Lord went a little bit farther. In verse 25, verse 25 says, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. He says, Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. That means whoever puts a higher priority on his temporary life of comfort and security, when God calls him to give up, on the other hand, 
whoever is willing to respond to the call of Christ and loses temporary life for comfort and security will find eternal life or be saved. And that's what he says. In fact, Mark adds in Mark 8.35, Mark 8.35, who save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So what he's talking about is sacrificing in order to bring the gospel to others, which is what Rose Warmer did. And by the way, her life was saved. She thought she was losing her life. In Auschwitz, her life was saved. So it's all about putting the will of Christ as a higher priority over a person's own comfort and security. Very similar to Mark 8.21, Mark 8.21, where it says, Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Now, on the surface, that seems very harsh. That seems very harsh for the Lord to say that to a son whose father has just died, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. But it can be better understood when seen from the perspective of how, how we actually use the term being dead to something. But a dead as meaning showing no interest in and not willing to be influenced by. Not no interest in and not willing to be influenced by. The lost have no interest in Christ, and the lost are not willing to be influenced by Christ. Just as it says that uh, about sin with us, we have no interest in sin, and we don't want to be influenced by sin, which is what Romans 6.11 says, Romans 6.11. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have no interest in sin, we don't want to be influenced by sin, but we do have an interest in Christ and we want to be influenced by Christ. So the Romans 6.11 talks about being dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Now, in the same way, the dead referred to, as he said, let the dead bury their dead, the dead referred to there are those who have no interest in Christ and have no interest in being influenced by Christ. And that's to be dead to. They don't have an interest in Christ. So he said, you should leave to those who have no interest in, in me, in Christ, and who do not want to be influenced, but leave them and follow me. That's what he's saying. And that's what we find in life. We can't understand. We get so excited about something, and we can't understand why our lost friends and relatives just are not excited about the same things we're excited about. They're not excited about God. They have no interest in Christ. We talk about Christ, they're so bored, and they want to change the subject to say anything something they could be interested in. But we're all excited, and we're all about, let me tell you what I read in the Bible today, or let me tell you what I heard in church on Sunday, and their interest needle pegs on zero. It can't get any lower. They're so bored. Why? The problem is no life. The problem is death. That's the problem. A body in the grave under the ground. There could be a parade going on on top of that body, overhead on the ground, and the body in the grave has no interest, and they're not influenced by it. So the lost outside of Christ, they have no interest in Christ. And this is who the Lord is referring to when he says, let the dead bury the dead. He was saying that the lost are as dead in interest in Christ as a corpse that's being prepared for the grave. And that's the way we were. That's the way we were before we received life. The Bible describes us before we came to Christ as being dead, in sin, not literally dead, but sin cauterized our interest. It burned it out. 
our interest in Christ. It's Ephesians 2.1, so Ephesians 2.1. You has he quickened, you has he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.5, Ephesians 2.5. When we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved. Ephesians 5.14, Ephesians 5.14. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee life. Colossians 2.13, Colossians 2.13. And you being dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, have thee quickened together with him, having forgiven him all your trespasses. We're talking about interest in Christ. We're talking about being influenced by Christ, wanting to be influenced by him. And an indication that a person has been made alive by Christ is that before he had no interest in Christ, before the Bible had no influence on him, didn't change him one bit, but after coming to Christ, now he's interested in Christ. Now the Bible is changing his life. That's because of life. That's because of life. So willingness to give up for Christ is our goal in life. That's why it says daily take up the cross. So that's why it's so important to read missionary biographies. Read those things. Come to admire those people that gave up in order to obey Christ and bring the gospel to others. Like the hymn puts it, Lord, increase our courage. Shall I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed to bloody seas? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord, to bear the cross, endure the shame supported by thy word. So now, further, try to help us to make the right decision to put Christ first. He adds another argument in verse 26. In verse 26, for what is profit? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, and what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So now here the Lord's talking about profit, advantage, benefit, and then he says, what is a man profited? Some people, some people think that their cross is some kind of a sickness or some kind of a disability or some kind of a disease. Well, let me tell you, a sickness or a disability or disease is not a choice, and that's not what the Lord is talking about here. The Lord is talking about voluntarily putting on a yellow star. The Lord is and wearing it. He's talking about that. Here's what he says in Mark 8:36. Mark 8:36. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever is therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. So taking up the cross is to not be ashamed of Christ and his words. It is without shame and embarrassment saying to friends and family and acquaintances, Jesus said, or the Bible says, because the subject is not being ashamed of Christ as brought out also in Luke 9, Luke 9, 25, Luke 9, 25. What is a man advantaged? if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, as the hymn says, hymn says, Jesus, and shall it ever be, a mortal man ashamed of thee, ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glory shine through endless days, ashamed of Jesus, that dear friend, on whom my hopes of heaven depend? No, when I blush, be this my shame, that I no more revere his name. Ashamed of Jesus, yes, I may. 
when I've no guilt to wash away, no tear to wipe, no good to crave, no fears to quell, no soul to save, till then, nor is my boasting vain till then. And oh, may this my glory be that Christ is not ashamed of me. So when the Lord said in verse 26, gain the whole world, he's referring to a choice between really anything and Christ. It's very simply put in Deuteronomy 6.5, Deuteronomy 6.5. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Heart, soul, might. So Christ is calling for all the love that a heart can give, all the willpower that a soul can give, and all the strength that a body has. Now, all those things are limited. They're limited. My love is limited. My willpower is limited. My strength is limited. And I need to spend time, we need to spend time thinking about exactly on what we will spend our limited love, willpower, and strength on in our life. As a matter of fact, the days of our life are are limited, and we need to think about what we're going to spend our short life on. I have a neighbor in Loretto, Every time I ask him, Chris, how are you? He always has the same answer. He says, today I woke up on the right side of the grass, he says. So I'm doing great. There's a lot to think about in that answer. We only have so many days on the upper side of the grass. And the question is, what are we going to do with those limited days? What are we going to do with those limited days on the upper side? Because soon we're going to be on the lower side of the grass. And the Lord Jesus referred to the lower side of the grass as what he called the night. The night in John 9, 4. John 9, 4. When he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So when the Lord Jesus says these words, cometh as the night cometh, and he says, as long as, as long as I am in the world, it shows he's very conscious of the limited amount of time that he has on earth. It reminds me of when I got certified and I was taught how to scuba dive and how my diving buddy, very important, and how we had to each all the time check how much air we each had in our tanks, in our scuba tanks. And then we had to signal to each other how much air we had. You know, you did this with your fingers. You know, you think this finger, you put, that means 1,000 PSI. That means 2,000 PSI when you're under the water. This means 100 PSI, that means 200 PSI, that means 300, 400. So if you only had 1,200 PSI, you went 1,200. That meant you had 1,200 PSI. All the time doing this, constant check, the air pressure gauge, and constant signaling to the other person how much air you had left. Because whatever work you were going to do, whatever you were going to do down there, you, you had to get it done before the air ran out, obviously, so you had to always be conscious how much air you had left. Life is like scuba diving. Life is like, there's a limited amount of air in our life tanks, and and only God sees the air pressure gauge and determines how many days we have left in our life. But God wants us to be aware that there's a limited number of days of our life, because one day it's going to be out. And that's what Jesus was saying in John 9, 5, John 9, 5, which says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So God wants us to have the same mentality, the same thoughts, in the back of our minds, which is why Moses asked God to help him keep his mind on the fact that there is an air pressure gauge for his life. When he said in Psalm 90, verse 10, Psalm 90, verse 10, the days 
of our years are threescore and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And then verse 12, Psalm 90, verse 12, Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So Moses said, normally a person lives about 70 years old. So right now I'm pushing the envelope. And if he's strong, he lives 80 years. Right now, Sam and Betsy are really pushing that envelope. <laughs> My wife died to 67. She died when she was 67 years old. She was healthy. She was very healthy. Oh, she was the one going down to Sprouts and was organic. Oh, what's oh, was a green eye. Oh, that was her. You know, very, very healthy. UCSD recently just sent me a, a brief summary just so I could be encouraged, you know, of my medical history, you know, pharyngitis from, you know, five times of being intubated, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, subdural hematoma, brain bleed, unstable angina, seven coronary stents, coronary lithotripsy, angioplasty, atrial fibrillation, hypertension, a TIA, four ablations of the heart, two cardioversions, rotator cuff repair, Accidental heart medication overdose. Oh, that's yeah, true. Pacemaker insertion, kidney cyst drainage. Apart from that, I'm fire. <laughs> so when my son called one of our colleagues to tell him that Cheryl had died, he said, no, no, wait a minute. You mean Tom, right? <laughs> so Moses asked God in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That means to ask God to remind us that we only have a certain limited amount of tank in our scuba tank, the air in our scuba tanks, and only God is looking at the gauge, but there is a gauge. And every day, God looks at the gauge for our lives, and he asks, I know how many days he has life. He doesn't. I wonder what he's going to use today on. I wonder what he's going to spend his day on. And so God looked at, at one man's gauge, and, and he saw he only has one. He doesn't know. He only has one day left to live. And when the Lord looked at what he was spending his time on, the Lord said, fool, in Luke 12, 16. Luke 12, 16. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns, build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See, that man was spending his time with the subject of how much he could gain, how much he could protect what he gained. It was all about how much. And that's what he was using his limited amount of what God talked about in Deuteronomy 6, 5, Love, resolve, and strength. He only had, as we all do, a limited amount of love, resolve, and strength, and he was using it for that. And to apply our hearts to wisdom is to follow Christ and focus our love, resolve, and strength on Christ. And when we're in the world, to have this mentality of John 9, 5, John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Life is all about, life is all about how much it is. Life was all about how much for Christ also, but his how much was how much could he be a light into a dark world? That was his how much. So when Christ said in verse 26, what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He meant, what's the value of using your limited amount of love, resolve, and strength to gain? 
I mean, if you could gain all the riches of the world and all the applause of the world, the whole world would stand up and, and clap for you. And if you could have all the pleasure of the world, if at the end you have to give up your soul for it, you lose your soul. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.